0: Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. Dear Younger Janica, Don't sweat
1: the small stuff and cherish all the time you have with the ones you love. Life isn't going to be easy, but it will be full of joy and amazing experiences. Try your best to be upbeat and happy. Things are going to work out.
0: Today on the podcast, I have Janica Ellsworth. She is an amazing woman, and she shares her tragic story of how her husband, who was a police officer on duty, died and she shares about the experience and what it was like and the people that were able to help her she is so brave and so amazing to be able to share her story i learned so much from janica talking about cherishing the people we love i think this month of november thinking about gratitude and being grateful for the people around us i was thinking what better person than her to share about loving the people around you because you never really know how much time you have with them. I also thought it would be important for us to really appreciate what police officers do for us. I think ever since the George Floyd incident happened, there's been a lot of hate and shame around police officers. And although there are police officers that make bad choices, there are so many more police officers who are loving, kind, generous, and I think learning from Janica and what she's gone through and her experience with police officers helps give a little more humanity and faith in the men and women who are protecting us in our country. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Janica. I'm so excited to talk with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad I can be on and share my experiences.
0: Yes, and so Janica, and her dad and my dad went to high school together, so we're old family friends, and I don't know if you remember this, but um, you were my brother Alex's very first date that he ever went on.
1: Yes, and he was my first date, too. I'm pretty oh, sure was that,
0: yeah,
1: I think it was both our first dates.
0: <laughs> and it was like the golf tournament, and both families are taking a million pictures. Like, oh,
1: look at that on their first date.
0: <laughs> yep
1: that was fun
0: usually people's first day is not with like both sets of parents and all of their friends as well but
1: (laughs) yeah yep It, it was it was good though it was fun
0: so Janica tell us a little bit about yourself and where you grew up and and kind of what you were like as a kid
1: so I grew up the youngest of four kids I grew up in a small city in Utah called Clinton I have two older brothers and One older sister and my just older sister is three years older than me. When I started high school, she was just going away to college. So, kind of for those three years, I kind of felt like I was an only child. Even though we saw my other siblings quite a bit, I just was home with my parents. And as far as like my childhood goes, I had a really good childhood. I was close with my family. And as a child, I was, I liked having fun. But I also liked being studious. That was really important to me. And I liked things to be clean and all in
0: order. That's awesome. Yeah, I love so and I do remember when your sister babysat us when we were little. And we went to go rent and there was some guy trying to hit on her and we thought it was the funniest thing ever and there was a hole in his pocket and he kept stomping and change kept coming out but he was trying to pick up lines and she's surrounded by all these kids at the movie store and we just thought it was the funniest thing ever We're like who is this guy but I had that imagery today of her standing in there and being like what are you doing why are you trying to pick up on me when I'm six kids right now that's awesome. Tell us, how did you meet your husband, Eric?
1: So like I said, I, I started high school and I was just kind of the only child at home. And I was really close to my friends, but then I met Eric when I was 15. Him and I started dating when I was 16 years old and hanging out a lot together and with friends. And we were best friends and I just loved him so much. And I just knew that I was going to marry him. And he went on a church mission when I was a senior in high school. And then after high school, I went to BYU. So I went away to college. And then when he came back, we were married six months later, just after I'd barely turned 20. So we were both super young. He was 21 and I was 20 when we got married.
0: So you kind of wrote him while he was on his mission?
1: Yeah, I wrote him and dated other guys but I still just knew that I loved him the most and was going to marry him and it worked
0: out so tell us a little bit about your lives together
1: so Eric and I had three sons together our sons are right now they're 12 9 and 6 years old and when Eric and I first got married we Lived in Provo for a little while, and then he got hired on as a Utah Highway Patrol trooper. And we moved out to this really remote city called Green River that's in Utah. We were there for a couple years. And then we moved to Brigham City, Utah, and he continued to be a trooper out here.
0: Did you always know that he wanted to be a police officer?
1: He grew up in a police family. His dad was a police officer. And I think that that definitely ran through his mind. And I think that he had shared that with me. And I wondered if he was going to be a police officer or not a year and a half into our marriage. He said, I'm going to go to the police academy. We didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into, but it made him happy. And he
0: loved being an officer. Do you have any stories or anything that you want to share about His experiences being a police officer.
1: Eric loved being a police officer. It wasn't uncommon for him to come home and say, You know, I gave this guy gas money today, or I bought this guy lunch that was hungry on the street. And he loved helping kids. And when they're on the Highway Patrol, they help a lot with accidents and things like that. He didn't like Going to those, because especially if they're really serious ones, nobody ever really likes going to those. But I know that he really did like being able to comfort the children that maybe were involved in those accidents, whether it was out on the road or in their homes. So and he just was always. The thing with being a police officer is he was a police officer when he was on duty and. When he was off duty as well, because I feel like being a police officer is a lifestyle more than just a job, like it's something that they can't just clock out from and be done, because if they see something happening, they just feel like they need to
0: protect people. And that's
1: just how they are.
0: I think that's good to remember, because I think we are in a climate of vilifying police officers. And I think a lot of times people might have an encounter with a police officer. They're getting pulled over or something like that that doesn't make them happy or whatever. We have to remember how much these men and women sacrifice and what they do on a day-to-day basis really to protect and serve and help. And that they're not out to get us. They're out to to help and help our society to run smoothly.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. Whether your parent was a police officer or you're married to a police officer or you're a police officer yourself, I don't think people realize the sacrifice that they really do make every day, whether that's trying to rescue someone or saving someone or just having to miss out on a lot of family things just because of their schedule and they're always having to be out working. And so it's a big sacrifice for the families as well as the officer.
0: Yeah, it's not a nine-to-five job that you get to be home and eat dinner with your family and get to be home on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. There's probably lots of things that they miss out on.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it's not. I mean, it's like a lot of, it's just like any first responder or doctor, nurse, like those professions, they have to be working around the clock. That's
0: just how it is. (laughs) Do you mind sharing with us about how your husband ended up passing away? So
1: one night in November of 2016, it was a Friday night and probably around 10 o'clock at night. And I'd put all three of my boys to bed. And I heard a Dodge Charger pull into my driveway. And I just thought it was Eric coming back because that's the patrol car that he had I thought maybe he had forgotten something and maybe he was just coming back to get it because that wasn't unusual for him to just run home real quick to grab something but I noticed I was just laying on the couch in the living room and I noticed that there were two shadows that passed my front window and and then there was a loud knock at my door and Quite literally, I didn't know that me opening that door would change my whole life. My husband, Eric's lieutenant, was on the doorstep with his wife, and he proceeded to tell me that Eric had been hit by a car and was in serious condition and that we needed to go right away so that I could go see him in the hospital and... So obviously my heart dropped and knocked the wind out of me almost. I just kind of bent over almost like somebody had just punched me in the stomach. And of course said, well, like, is he okay? Is he okay? And he just kind of said, you know, we've got to go. And his wife stayed with my boys. And we got in his patrol car and raced to the ER and there I was able to see Eric and see what bad condition he was in. And that was really traumatic for me. And it's still really hard for me to talk about, but I don't mind telling the story and talking about it. But from there, he was life flighted to a hospital down in Salt Lake and Almost right away, I was told, well, of course, on the way there, so his lieutenant also drove me all the way there in his police car, and we were running lights and sirens, so there were a police car in front of us and behind us as well, and we were going really fast, and on our way there, I had to make two really hard phone calls, which was to his parents and to my parents to let them know what was going on, and both sets of parents and some other family members raced down to the hospital in Salt Lake, and they were there by the time I got there. And Eric was just coming off of the life flight helicopter, and almost right away they told us that they were going to have to take Eric's left leg because it had been he had been hit on his life on his left side, so it mangled his leg so much that they needed to take that. And so that alone was just like a life-changing blow to all of us, just because Eric was such an active, fit person. And we knew that that was going to change his life and our lives as well. And honestly, I didn't know that I knew that he was in bad shape, but it didn't even cross my mind that he was going to pass away it honestly did not cross my mind. And about a half an hour later, after they would told us that they had to amputate Eric's leg, another doctor came in that was a brain doctor. And he told us, you know, the damage to his brain is so severe, he's most likely not gonna make it. And as you can imagine, that was the worst thing that a young wife and mom can hear. And that was really hard news to take. And I didn't believe that it was true. And I just figured because he loved us so much that he would be able to make it through. And I just didn't feel like God would let that happen to our family. And Eric held on for four days in the hospital. And then... He did pass away, and it's been a long, rough road, and that was about four years ago that that happened.
0: So were your kids able to make it to the hospital to say goodbye to him before he passed away?
1: Yes. Yes. The day after, the morning after Eric had been hit, my parents who had been, who were at the hospital with me as well, they, they came down and picked up the kids. And I know that that was really hard for them to have to tell the boys, like, you know, your dad's been hurt. We need to go to the hospital. And at, at that time, they were eight, five, and two. So my eight-year-old, you know, was aware and kind of could grasp onto what was going on. But I don't think my five-year-old and two-year-old could even though that they were both really scared, obviously.
0: Yeah.
1: They brought them to the hospital and they saw Eric. And I just remember before them going back to see him, I had to do like one of the hardest things ever, and and that was just sit them down and let them know, you know, dad might not make it, because I didn't want to give them false hope that their dad was gonna make it through because wow. I, at that point, knew that it was really bad. And I said, you know, he, I don't even honestly remember what I said, but I just tried to comfort them and tell them, you know, dad might not make it, but if he doesn't, he's going to watch over us and be with us. And I just tried to stay positive for them. And whether that was a good thing
0: or not, I don't know. (laughs) Well, and I would think that the hard part about losing a spouse is that you can't talk with them and ask them, what's the right thing for me to do? I know I rely a lot on my husband and whenever we go through hard times, I feel like we can do anything if we have each other. You have them to, sorry, I'm getting emotional, but you have them to be with you and, be that support when you're like I can't do this it's so hard and they're there for you and so I can't even imagine what you were going through because then it's like you have to do this on your own and you don't get to ask him like what should we do what should I say how do I how do we deal with this and I'm sure that is beyond lonely and hard
1: yeah the ironic thing about losing a spouse is that The only person that could comfort you maybe in that moment is gone. And so that was really hard for me to take, and it still is really hard for me. I've learned a lot on my journey of grieving, and I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that grief is a life sentence, So it's not something that will ever go away, but it's something that you kind of learn to live with and manage. And a
0: lot of times I think either we think or other people think that that there should be a a period of time that you can move on or get over that. But I think that you're wise to say that there's some things that we never really recover from. You have to keep, getting up every day and being a mom to your children. And there's probably still days that you, or every day that you feel that loss and pain.
1: Like I said, I think you learn to live with that pain and it's not as painful as it was when it very first happened, but there are moments and there are days that it is just as painful. And But right after you lose someone, like you can't stop thinking about them. You can't imagine being able to move on and move forward with life. Well, and I shouldn't say move on because I like using the term moving forward, because when you lose someone that you love so much, it's not like moving on from them, but just like you have to move your life forward. You have to go forward. And that's
0: just a choice that you have to make. So if you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you first found out Eric passed away, what do you think you would say?
1: That's an interesting question. I think I would just tell myself that it was going to be really hard, but I was going to make it through and it was going to be okay. I don't really know what else I could have told myself at that point.
0: (laughs) How did the community support you and your family after Eric passed away? There was a huge
1: outreach of support from my community, from my neighbors, from the police community, and obviously my family and friends and people I hadn't seen in a long time, like friends that I had in high school, just so much love and support for me. I, you know, get emotional, even sometimes just thinking back to those times and how much people like the outpouring of love that was given to me. And I'm just so grateful for it.
0: I know a lot of people have a hard time knowing what to say or do when someone has a loved one pass away. What would be your advice on the best thing that they could do? That's an interesting thing. I actually
1: just brought this up on the Instagram page that I run and I got a lot of people's input because I said, you know, there's a few things you probably shouldn't say to someone after they lose someone. And, you know, these are maybe better things to say or better things to do when someone loses someone. And I think the biggest conclusion that I came to through asking people questions and just like reading through a whole bunch of comments and stuff is that the best thing you can do for someone that's just lost someone is support them by showing up for them, loving them in like, you know, obviously it depends on the relationship that you had with that person. If you're really close to them, just being there for them, being a listening ear, being there for them to hug and cry to, And I think the biggest mistake that some of us make when we're trying to help someone that just lost someone is to comfort them in trying to make it better or take the pain away. And that just isn't possible. So the best thing you can do is just support them in their grief and let them be sad and let them just share their feelings because there's no wrong way to grieve and everybody grieves differently
0: yeah I think that's if people try to say like well at least you had this or you'll be able to see him again one day those things although they might bring comfort at some point right house dies that's not really what you need from them you need someone to come to your house probably and you with the dishes or bring you food or just listen to you and let you cry and let you be mad and sad and all the, and go through all the feelings.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I have a few examples of that. I actually had a neighbor that was my same age and she had kids my same age, but we'd never really talked too much before Eric passed away. And she felt really strongly that she should come over and she brought me dinner which was really nice but then it was more than that like she felt like I'm going to offer to take her son to school so she would pick up my son for for school and then her and I eventually started talking to each other and becoming friends and her acting on that thought of you know I need to do this for her actually turned into something really awesome because We're best friends now, and she helped me through some of the hardest times of my life just because she was there, and she was just a listening ear for me. And she didn't have an agenda. She wasn't worried about um, just checking me off her list, kind of, I guess. And so that made a huge difference for me. Another example is there's a lady in my church ward that would come over every Sunday and get my boys just so I could get ready for church and just kind of have that peace and solace before church. And that honestly was the sweetest thing ever. She would just come take them for an hour. And, you know, she even said, just give me their church clothes. I'll get them ready and you get yourself ready.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing that she did that. Sunday mornings, I feel like, are always super crazy for us. And I'm not good at tying ties. So unless they're pre-tied, I would be out of luck. So with three boys, I'm sure that's quite the challenge.
1: Yeah. Sunday mornings always been rough. (laughs) but then just one last thing I wanted to share about someone helping us is there was a trooper that worked with my husband and he also came over and there were a lot of them that came over, not just him, but this one in particular, he said, you know, just let me take your boys and my wife and my kids and we'll take them to our farm and we'll let them ride four wheelers and just have them run around the farm with us. And I know at first he felt like he didn't know for sure if I would like that. And his wife, you know, kind of wondered, like, is this going to be okay? Is she fine with this? But I really was. And it it really was a big relief to just have a couple hours to myself just to, like, listen to music and um, just try to find some peace and maybe even just cry. Like, there were plenty of times where I just would cry and it was fine. Because it felt, it made me feel better to cry. And I cried in front of my kids, but I didn't want them to see me crying like all the time. But they've seen me cry a lot because I feel like that is important when, for children to see that it's okay to cry and to grieve. Um, But that family that took my kids were actually really good friends with them as well. And we still are, and they still invite my kids over. They just invited my kids over last night and they painted pumpkins and stuff. And so we have this really awesome relationship with them, and they're almost like an aunt and uncle to my kids a beautiful thing that's come out of a tragedy. And so I'm just happy that there's those things for me because I allowed people to help me. And even though it was hard to take help from people, I actually have these amazing relationships with some people.
0: Well, I'm so glad that they were able to do that for you. And I feel like my closest friends have been people that have been there for me when I needed them the most. And speaking of the police community, I know that at Eric's funeral, you had a big turnout and the community really supported you. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience?
1: When a police officer dies, they're is always usually a big funeral. So police officers come from all over the country, all over the state. And so as far as the police community goes, there was a ton of support and love given to our family and to my boys. And the day of the funeral was really hard. It was hard for me to have it be so public, but... It's also kind of neat in a way because there were so many pictures taken from like different newspapers and things. So like my kids will even like they'll Google things and they can see pictures from the funeral and see themselves when they're younger. And, you know, there's a sad, the saddest little picture of my boys crying in front of Eric's casket. And that one just always breaks my heart. I'm just so glad that those moments were captured, even though they were such tragic, hard moments. It is good and healthy for me to look back on those. I'm just grateful that the community, there was such an outpouring of love and that he was able to have a funeral like that, even though I don't think that he wanted all of the would have wanted all the fanfare and stuff just because it was so such a big, large funeral.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that was hard to have it be such a public event because my parents said that they went to the funeral and it was at the D Event Center, which for those of you that don't know, it's a big college basketball arena. And they said it was unlike any funeral they'd ever been to before.
1: Yeah, it definitely was a I mean from my perspective it's obviously a lot different than others. I kind of wish we could have had a smaller funeral, but like I said it it was neat to be able to have the police community and just the community in general support and love, like show their support to us yeah. and be there.
0: Yeah, that's amazing that police officers would fly in from all over the country to support your family. Yeah. What do you wish everybody knew about police officers and the sacrifices that they make for our country? I
1: think I just want people to know how big of hearts they have and that they are human and there is human error, but just being a police wife and seeing the scary things that they have to be faced with and make these split second decisions Even with the best training, they are just doing their best because they're human and they make big sacrifices and their families make big sacrifices so that they can go out and work. And I've met hundreds of police officers and I personally know a lot of officers And they're all really good
0: men and women. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder. They have families and children and they're putting their lives on the line out of the goodness of their hearts because there's a lot of other careers that they could have gone into that they don't have to sacrifice their lives. There's lots of desk jobs. There's lots of other places that you can work. And I think it's really amazing what they do and I think it's good to keep that in perspective when people are trying to vilify all of the police force
1: yeah and just judging by all the officers that I personally know they don't want the recognition even like they do so many things that are just behind the scenes and nobody knows about and they don't need or want the recognition so I know that they honestly do this job out of the goodness of their heart, and I know that it also weighs heavy on their mind and on their hearts when there is so much hatred towards them, and I've experienced that firsthand and seen what that does to them.
0: I saw that you posted about a police officer who had found a child. I guess he pulled the mom over. I can't remember what for, but the baby had a dirty diaper and was hadn't been taken care of and it was a picture of the police officer taking care of the baby and giving the baby a bath in a sink and i feel like seeing pictures like that they really are human loving wonderful people that really just care about the betterment of society and help and wanting to help families to do better and to be able to be safe and
1: yeah for sure I, I can totally picture my husband, Eric, doing that. He loved kids and babies and just, he kind of was a gentle giant, I guess, and just a big teddy bear, even though he could look intimidating. He was the nicest person you'd ever meet, you know?
0: Yeah. I saw that Eric was able to be a a donor. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure.
1: Yes. So Eric was a donor. And to be honest, that was all very traumatic to me at first, because right after Eric died, you know, I had to go in and talk to the donor services and tell them what they could donate and what they couldn't donate. And but ultimately, I'm so glad that I made the decision to donate his organs. Because, you know, for me, even though my heart was completely shattered, I thought, you know, Eric is gone and there's nothing I can do about that, but I know that he can help other people. And so not too long after, I got a letter saying that, like telling me what organs of his were donated and received by people. And I've only met one of the People that got his, it's a girl that's about my age and she got Eric's kidney and pancreas. Not by coincidence, but just like by a miracle, we were able to find each other and connect through social media. And because she sent me out a letter, and they keep everything really private because they don't want to impede on people's privacy on either party. And so there's no names given, no specifics. But we did receive a letter from her and then I just happened to see something on Facebook and her story seemed so similar to the person's letter that I had received. So I just thought that has to be her. And so I kind of reached out and then I I made a comment or something on a post and then I just thought, oh, maybe that's not appropriate. Maybe she doesn't want to know who her donor was. And so I took the comment off, but then I got a message from her a couple days later saying, hey, I think that I may have got your husband's organs. Like, is this something you want to, do you want to know who I am type of thing? And so we ended up meeting each other and that was really awesome. And her and I are really good friends too. And she is really good to my kids and my kids love her. She doesn't have any kids of her own, but she's just an amazing person. So it's been Amazing, and she just her gratitude towards Eric is so I don't know how to describe it. It's just such a neat thing, and she feels such a connection to him, and she's so grateful for him. And so, to see her and see that she's able to live her life and be healthy, and she doesn't have diabetes anymore, and she doesn't have to do Um uh I can't think of what it's called. Um, dialysis anymore, stuff like that. Like she was in really bad shape and getting these organs completely changed her life. So that's been really amazing to see that.
0: We did a podcast episode earlier about like organ transplant and it sounds like it's really hard to get on the list well, I mean, not to get on the list, it's hard to get organs just because they're not as available. And so I'm sure that that was a blessing for her, even though it was not what you would wish to have happen. But I think that it's amazing what doctors can do to be able to help other people.
1: Yeah, it's it's been really neat. And I'm glad that we've been able to be a part of a part of that even though you know we've had to experience this tragedy but she's been able to stay alive because of it
0: yeah I know you touched on this earlier but what would you say grief means to you I think it's just in
1: every day it looks like things such as my kids saying things about their dad and you know that bringing up like oh, they're missing them so much. Or, you know, my six-year-old now will say things about his dad and he was two when his dad died. And so obviously that's really hard for me. And so I try to share those stories of my kid's dad with them and just kind of keep his memory alive and talk about him a lot and keep that open. I think this time of year, you know, around the time that he passed away is always hard. I don't know, just certain things, there's certain emotions and things get brought up. And there's not a day that I go without thinking about Eric. And I don't think there ever will be. And um, I don't know. It's just grief just hits you like out of the blue and you know, a lot of people describe it as waves and that's just how it is. Sometimes like sometimes your grief will be so strong and then other times it's just kind of shallow, but then it will just kind of hit you out of nowhere, just different experiences or things that you'd come across and just out of the blue. I mean, but for me, I, I used to cry every single day. I don't I don't think I cry every day anymore, but I cry often. It's just it's just how it is. And, you know, I'll see, obviously, I'll see Utah Highway Patrol cars out on the road. And it does hurt my heart, but I definitely think that it, I've just gotten used to the pain. I don't know how to explain it other than that.
0: I know that after... Eric passed away. His brother, Mike, kind of started helping you and your kids. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So Eric's family, just to give a tiny background on his family, he has, he grew up with eight siblings. So there were nine kids in his family And there were six girls that were born, and then he was number seven. Eric was number seven. And then at the very tail end of the family, there was a boy and girl twin. So his younger brother, Mike, is his only brother and his younger brother. And at the time of Eric's passing, Mike was single still. He'd never been married, never had any kids, and automatically just kind of felt like he should— be here for the kids and and you know he would come over not too long after Eric passed away he would come over I remember one time and he would shovel my walks for me and he would build snow slides for the kids and stuff like that and as time went on him and I really just were able to confide in each other and I think it's because you know all of our siblings were married they all had spouses that they could be comforted with this big tragedy in our family and him and I were just alone and so I think that that's what pulled us together I mean that and other things but we just confided in each other we actually ended up starting to date and eventually got married so it's kind of a it's an interesting relationship and it works for us and it's awesome and I love Mike and I'm so happy that we can be together. And he's been such an amazing blessing for me and my kids.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about your relationship and how you were able to talk to Mike about Eric?
1: Yeah, our our relationship has really been quite unique, obviously. And I, you know, my husband, Mike, loves to tell, he likes to catch people off guard and say things like when we're in public and people don't know about him and he just thinks it's funny. And I'm like, Mike, stop. Like, people are going to think we're so weird, but, you know, and we have definitely got those looks from people. And, but the ones that love us from the very beginning, our family and our friends were super supportive of our decision to date. And then, you know, ultimately get married, even though other people on the outside may look in and be like, that is so strange and so weird. There's been just as many people that are like, that's an amazing thing. And we're so happy for you guys. The uniqueness of our relationship is that when I'm grieving, he's completely supportive of that because he misses the person that I'm grieving about. And so, you know, when he is grieving, I miss the person he's grieving about. And obviously, you know, we are grieving for different reasons because, A spouse relationship is different than a brother relationship, obviously, but it's been amazing just to be able to help each other. I mean, there have been few instances where we're both really just down and grieving, but most of the time it's one or the other. So we're just able to help each other and just be there and understand. Yeah, it's been pretty unique and it works for us, and it's been really good.
0: I'm sure that Eric couldn't pick a person that he loved more for someone to take care of his wife and his beautiful boys. Sorry, I'm having a really hard time not being emotional, but I feel like ever since I started writing questions for you and everything, I feel like I've just my heart has just been so sad and. I felt so just sad for what you've had to experience. And I I honestly can't imagine the pain that you've gone through. And I think you're so strong and you're so amazing to be able to share this experience. And I hope that it can be a comfort and hope to be able to help other people and, and also to just help people to understand how human cops are and, and what their families go through and, And and how big of a sacrifice it is, not only for them, but for everyone who knows them.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I even though obviously I wish Eric was still here, I'm grateful for the the growth that I've had these four years that I've been able to grow spiritually and mentally. And it's such a hard thing, but I'm I'm grateful that i've been able to learn so much from it and i really feel like that that eric sees that that and he's happy that i've been able to find strength from this because i know just the way that he was how much he loved me and how much he loved the boys I know for sure that there's no way that he wanted to leave us. And I find comfort in knowing that he wouldn't have wanted, there couldn't have been a better person in his eyes to help raise his own children than his own brother. And, and so I'm just, I know that Eric is, happy and i'm glad that mike can be there and that and i'm grateful that i've been able to share this experience because i feel like there is so much sadness in the world and there is so much grief and grief doesn't get talked about too much but it's a very real thing and so i just want people to know they're not alone in their grief
0: it's okay every single day you have the best foot forward and that you're always you know because I think a lot of times we think oh being happy is better you know mm-hmm. and like if I can just be happy but I think it's also okay to be sad it's okay to cry it's okay to be angry it's okay to um, feel like you got something like that it was not fair, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that this happened to you. And so I think as we let ourselves feel those feelings, instead of trying to push them down, we can better heal instead of um, just trying to always like put on a happy face. And I think that we need to have that time of mourning. And I think it, it also shows like how much we love that person and how much we care about them that when they're, not like here with us that it is a hard thing to to process and to to go through,
1: yeah, I agree with that for sure, pretty early on after Eric died, I remember seeing something that said you grieve the loss of someone as much as you love that person, and it's and you know, and then there's a saying that says like, uh, grief is just love that can't be shown to that person anymore. And, and I just kind of feel like that's so true because you don't stop loving that person that is gone. And so I feel like grief it, is so different for everyone, but I agree that it's healthy to cry about them and be sad about them. And it's okay, that's natural and human and that can help your heart heal even through really tragic, hard things.
0: I agree. Well, I have one last question for you, and that's the question I always ask everybody, and that's, if we go back in time to any stage of life and give yourself advice, where would you go and what would you say?
1: I think I would go back to the... You know, right after Eric and I had our third son. And, you know, just tell myself, cherish every moment that you have with your husband and with your boys, because life is so fragile.
0: And I think it's a good reminder to cherish all the people around us and and sometimes it's so easy to look at things that might bug us about somebody or like especially in our family, you know, there's so many things, but I think it's so important to cherish people and to always tell them how much we love them and appreciate the things they do for us. Because like you said, you never really know how long you have with people.
1: Yeah, I, I think that
0: one thing I realized
1: for sure after losing Eric was that all those little things and pet peeves that I had about him, maybe, you know, all melted away. The only thing that mattered was that, um, I knew for sure that he loved us and cared about us and he had done such a good job at making sure that we knew that. And that was so important. And I'm just so glad also that I have so many pictures and videos of him, to be able to show my kids. And yeah, I'm really grateful for that.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being willing to share this hard experience and, and be able to share with us a little bit about what you've learned and, and how you've gone through this process.
1: Yeah, I'm really grateful to share. I really appreciate you reaching out and asking me And I
0: hope that this
1: can help somebody.
0: This is Liz Gardner. Thank you for listening to Letters to My Younger Self. I really appreciate all your support. If this episode helped you, please share it with a friend. Feel free to reach out if you have any recommendations for topics or people that you would like to hear in the next upcoming episodes. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week.